Hello everybody, welcome to Great Vow Monastery in the Pacific Northwest. We're here on the very last evening, quite late in the evening, of the 2019 Gen X conference. And we just had a completely crazy marimba party <laughs> and dance-off and no talent show, as it was called. So uh, High to low talent high to, show. Sorry, sorry. High to low talent show. You might recognise that voice. That was Vimala Sarah. We'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> this is the end of a conference of Dharma teachers from across the US principally, but also from different spots around the world. I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves, starting on my left with Lama Rod. Okay, great. Well, so wonderful to be here. This is my fourth conference. I'm Lama Rod. And I come from Tibetan School of Buddhism. And yeah, I don't know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And you are one of the sort of venerable overseers. The venerable overseers. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of those. <laughs> well, I'm a member of the advisory council, definitely. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to we'll come to them in a minute. Hi, I'm Singha Shri from Charatna Buddhist Community. And this is my second conference. So I was uh, at this conference back in 2015. And uh, I was going to come back because I knew uh, I wanted to be in this community again. It was so wonderful in 2015. So I was very excited to make it here this year. Hi, this is Vimala Sara from Vancouver Tree Ratna. And I have to do a big shout out to Viveka because Viveka is the one that got Tree Ratna involved with this interlineage, multi-lineage, and put Tree Ratna on the map. I know we're known as the casserole lineage. Special bouquet. Yeah. And I happen to be part of the planning committee for this conference. And it's my third one. Hi, this is Rebecca Lee. I'm from the Dharma drum lineage of Chan Master Shen Yan. And this is my fourth Gen X my first one's in 2013, and I was on the planning committee with Lama Rod on 2015, and I'm still on the advisory council, <laughs> yes. For the rest of our lives. <laughs> For the rest of your lives. <laughs> and uh, my name's Chandra Dasa, I'm also from Chiratna. This is my first conference, in fact, Thank you so much to Vimla Sara for basically making me come. <laughs> I kept writing back saying, no, I can't come. She's like, just come. No, I can't, I can't come. They just come. And yeah. I did. And I'm very, very happy I did. And it's been an awesome few days. Mm. Culminating in a great ending this evening, which we might play you out on, but we'll get to that. Anyway, I thought it would be good to have a little conversation about the history of this conference, why it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, do we think it works? Does it serve a purpose? And then maybe this particular conference, what you guys wanted to do, what you thought it would help with in terms of the area of ethics, which has been the overall theme. And then maybe we could swap tales from the, the week, what we've enjoyed most. So, Femosar, what, what do you think this conference is about overall? Like, where do you think it came from? Well, it came from the community. Well, basically, it came from the Maha teachers gathering, I think, in terms of empowering and, and enabling their students to do something for that next generation. That's where I believe it came from, but I think Rebecca and Rod could answer that better than I. But for me, I think the gathering comes from the community and it's peer-led. That's the beauty of it, that even being part of the planning committee, we kept on saying we're peers, we're peers, so to get rid of that hierarchy. Yeah. But definitely it comes from the community. And what does Gen X mean for people who aren't 
familiar with that term. What is the next generation teaching thing? Gen X is just about Generation X, and we define it pretty simply by people who were born between 1960 and 1982. Now, yeah. yeah. So we just use that very simple definition, and the idea is for this cohort, this generation of Dharma teachers to really grow old together in this community as yeah. peers. Yeah. I suppose we're all sort of picking up a thread of teaching. You know, our teachers who led their own communities, mm-hmm. you know, and have, to a certain extent passed, mm-hmm. passed the baton on a little bit across the mm-hmm. generations. Oh, we took it. <laughs> you took it? Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Say, more, say more about that. Say more about that. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, my teachers died, you know, my primary root teacher. And so that whole generation of teachers in my tradition is slowly passing. You kind of have to step into the position of teacher you know, once you've been authorized, there's no one who's going to, like, force you. Well, not force, but I think it's up to us to take a step forward, to take on responsibility for the community, you know, yeah. instead of just kind of waiting and sitting around. So I think that's what our generation, Gen X, is experiencing, this transition, you know, and sometimes maybe we don't know how to make that transition because in certain ways it's never happened. This is the first time. It's happened, like, you know, the first generation we call them pioneer generations, they just created everything. So the stuff has been created now, like we're transitioning into something that's been created. But I think the role of Generation X is to not necessarily build new things, but is to integrate the Sangha with the world, mm. you know, in a way that's relevant. Yeah. One of the things I noticed from the conversations all week, well, two things actually, one was mm. We're not here officially representing someone. We're here as teachers. And actually, the key thing seems to be supporting each other in that transition. Like, what do you need to step forward? And there's something happening here that people seem to find supportive. I think one met the many ways we support each other right here. And what we have discovered through these gatherings is that many of us will find that when we are teaching and practicing with our community, is very insulated from the rest of the Dharma world. And there are also difficulties and issues, maybe more serious, sometimes it's like moderately serious, or just things that we're struggling with, or just trying to figure out how to do our things as a Dharma teacher, or maybe even very practical things, thinking about like learning how to train ourselves better. So all the way to dealing with serious transgressions in the yeah. community, we find it very difficult to get support within the community that we are from for many reasons, very often because of the power dynamic with it. And we all discovered that this is a really great place for us to test out how we are feeling about it. Maybe the first time talking about it with anyone mm-hmm. and to process it with someone who mm-hmm. understand our situation because they are also Dharma teachers. When mm-hmm. you tell this to someone who's not Dharma teacher, they don't even understand yeah. why why we're dealing with it. So this mm-hmm. is, I think, is one of the most valuable things about this community, mm-hmm. if yeah. not the most valuable thing mm-hmm. about our peership. Definitely, mm-hmm. because... I think coming to these gatherings, I realized that actually 
it's not just my community going through these things mm. and you can tend to think we're the only ones who've mm. got the issues you know we've got the problems mm. but we come here and you, you just see that practically mm. all the buddhist traditions and liturgies are struggling with all the same things and everybody has something to offer that's so clear that there's all these different camera angles on the same mm. root set of issues that go on mm. And have you had a sense, because you guys have been to several, have you had a sense that this conference is starting to find its shape and kind of, is it getting better each time as it were in a certain way? I think it's getting better. I think this has been one of the more memorable conferences I've been on. I think because there's a sense of community identity cohesion forming, you know, hmm. and I think we've hit this really important milestone where we're actually forming something more solid and more identifiable and just taking on the responsibility of creating a community voice that we will express together and that's been something that we've been hesitant to do hmm. in past retreats it's been a particular couple of years i mean we've seen the me too movement mm-hmm. spring up over the past couple of years and we've seen many buddhist communities actually be torn apart by yeah teachers who've had sexual transgressions. So it's been a particular two years and we've come with that energy of mm. wanting support, wanting to be heard. And there's something about, we don't want to make the same mistakes. Mm. I think as Rod says, there's that first generation who were the teachers and they've made mistakes and we really don't want to make those same mistakes. And so what are we going to do to put in place to take care of us as teachers so that we don't make the same mm. mistakes. Yeah, there's been quite a serious look all week, hasn't there? The details of how you set up good conditions for ethical teaching mm. practice. Yeah, well, one of the things that happened this week is I was on a panel with Lama Willa Jan Chosen Roshi, uh, mm. who's the abbot here at Great Bow, and rather Papai, senior monk from Deer Park. And yeah, we had a really good and quite open and frank conversation about the harm that's been caused, what survivors of that harm, what options might be available to them to be able to begin to talk about what's happened to them, how we can create a safe space for that to happen. And yeah, and which ways actually that this gathering and this community can begin to think about more structured ways to support one another long-term and not just every two years at this conference, but actually maybe even in between conferences, trainings we might be able to put on. There was a great resource shared, an organization called Faith Trust that does particular training around how to set good boundaries. I hope I said that right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also one of the things that's quite interesting, I think, is that, yes, we're all dealing with this, but we all are at different stages of that process. So some communities have gone down a road, for example, of seeking outside help from organizations like Olive Branch. In Taratna, we've set up quite a lot of systems over the last couple of years, including the restorative justice process. Um, So we're able to also help those who maybe aren't as far along. So there's that nice sharing of resources and experiences as well. Mm. Yeah. And was that clear when you were doing the planning this time? Do you think that the ethics was the theme? That was just like the obvious, it the was, obvious way to go. It's still alive. and It was for us, I think, partly because it's the third part of the path. Yeah. You know? And it was great actually having the advisory committee because we wanted to do ethics and we could have gone down the darker side of it. And it was like the advisory committee just steering us thinking, 
well, hold on a minute, you know, what message might that be? And we don't want to just focus on just the transgressions Mm -hmm. that have happened. And so in a way that really opened up a doorway for us to think, actually, ethics is a path for transformation. Mm -hmm. It's a path Mm -hmm. to awakening. So for me, that was really important. It was great that we could bring an element of insight into it. And the other thing that I want to say is, is that For me, being on the planning committee, some of the stuff we did to sit down and discuss like, you know, when is it appropriate or not appropriate to have sexual relationships? How do we deal with sexual attraction towards our students or the people we teach? And how do we deal with it when it's aimed at us? And how do we deal with projection and counter transference? It's like I haven't been able to find a space to talk about it. One of the things I've really appreciated about the conference is I'm not filtering myself at all. So when I'm back in London, I find that even if I want to maybe raise a question about these issues, I just, I, there's, a, there's a filter that comes in. There's a way in which I, I hesitate to speak yeah. up because I'm not sure how that's going to be heard or received. So there is something about being in a space where I just notice, oh, I'm just so much freer to just say, hey, how about this? And have we thought about even just simple things like what happens when you favor one student over another? Those things aren't as easy to bring up in one's own community. Have you seen a progression all week as we've worked through each of the daily programs where there seems to be kind of quite thoughtful? It's like a, a nice slow ramp. You suddenly find yourself quite deep inside these questions. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm in the deep end already. Like, <laughs> Have you noticed it working? Like, Has it felt like a kind of a good progression? It felt like the first day was just like trust building. And then the second day was just like, okay, (laughs) we're getting there, you know. And then today it just felt like it just kind of dropped open, you know. People just got really serious and real and honest. Mm. Yes, the elephant in the room emerged. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you for breaking that, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't want to say more because we spent quite a lot of time, about two hours, creating agreements in the first day. And one of them was confidentiality. So that's why we don't want to really say more about that. But I think we can all agree that it's been very, very productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very supportive context. Uh, so maybe giving people a bit of a flavor of, of the details of it, like what's been your highlight? What's been your top bit of the conference? Just one thing that I do want to say, yeah. I can remember a friend saying to me, a Dharma practitioner friend saying, they just don't care. Mm. And I remember that really hitting mm. me. And actually being here, people really do care about the inappropriateness mm. between teachers and students. Mm. People really care here. Mm. And that for me mm. is just so inspiring mm. that I'm in a community where people care. Mm. Yeah. That's a highlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kim Allen, who was also on the planning committee right for this year mm-hmm. i thought she gave a fantastic presentation on ethics but kind of from a, a western philosophical point of view and then just bringing in like teasing and how the buddha mm-hmm. teaches and it sort of opened up what i loved about it was she gave a really great talk it was so well researched but then the room kind of picked it up mm-hmm. and it became almost like sort of call and response where she was just like mm-hmm. conducting an orchestra or something of people who had cool things to say about the nuances of ethical practice. Mm-hmm. I was really just really impressed by how it all worked, actually. Not just how good she was, but I think for me, that's when it really started to come together as a conference. It mm-hmm. felt like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. all that work we did yesterday was worth it because today mm-hmm. there's trust and there's a kind of like mm-hmm. ease yeah. or something. 
One of my highlights, which actually I was just thinking it was a little bit off topic. So Lama Rod and I offered an open space session around cross-cultural teaching. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, so part of the conference is open space sessions where anyone can offer anything that they mm-hmm. want to have a conversation about. But it is about ethics, isn't mm-hmm. it? Cross-cultural mm-hmm. teaching, because you're wanting to be sensitive to who's showing up in the space and what their needs might be and how they might be different from you in terms of their conditioning. So it's important, especially as the Dharma becomes much more international and many of us are teaching in cultures different from our own and also having people coming to our centers from cultures different from our own. So yeah, that was really, really wonderful to have that opportunity to have that conversation. I thought this was a really special conference because I've always valued the space, but I think we went more beyond that in this conference. Um, For example, just talking about how it's just really not a good idea to have your student to be on your board. Or how about like other Dharma teachers from other traditions, you know, who can help hold you accountable but understand your culture what it is that you're doing rather than just having a bunch of maybe business people on your board there's a very concrete way we can really support each other in addition to being each other's peer and i think it sort of became very clear today in our discussion how also we can offer ourselves as a community as a voice that can make a difference from the buddhist perspective so I think this is what makes this conference so special. Yeah. I think we feel like we collectively grew up to mm. wanting to take more responsibility mm. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wrote highlights for you. Mm-hmm. It was the best bit of the week. Definitely, our breakout group around teaching across cultures was really great, and also I think the panel. We had a panel on sexual misconduct which was like really quite new for us to do something like that. I think it was well organized and everyone on the panel presented really well or you know if there's something I can say but like it was just really informative and held very well. Yeah. By everyone. Yeah, I suppose I'd say the highlight for me was working with the planning committee. Mm. Yeah, that has to be a highlight here and you know, we'd been planning for two years, we'd lost some people on the way and, mm-hmm. you know, and we were here and it, it just flowered. The conditions were in place and it, it just did its thing. And mm-hmm. It was great. It was very harmonious for us here. Mm-hmm. I just want to say one more thing about the panel, just to say that I was particularly grateful to Chosen Roshi mm-hmm. and Lama Willa for their just deep wisdom mm-hmm. and what felt like decades and decades mm-hmm. of both personal experience around being right at the center of things in their own community and then what they were able to share in terms of just wells of of knowledge and and resource so i personally feel like i've benefited from being around them this week and i feel like i just want to stay in touch so i can keep learning from them yeah, Chosen Roshi was particularly impressive during that panel. She was, just, she was so benevolent. She was just like kind of <laughs> holding the space. Like, because yeah. there was quite a lot of difficult emotion in the room at different points. And she was so sympathetic during it, but she also just kind of beamed, yeah. beamed through. Mm. Which sort of brings me on to this place, like the place we're meeting at, because she's the key part of that. And if I'm going to be honest, my most favourite bit of the week was the forest. Mm. We'll put up some pictures of this, maybe even some video, but it's a pretty remarkable project. Mm-hmm. which Chosen Rosie has been a big part of because she has a practice around Jizo Shitigarpa. And there's a forest just we're right on the edge of it. It feels like the land belongs to the forest and we're on its, <laughs> we're on its property or something. And there's this amazing, I guess, installation. But it's like now become part of the landscape of 108 very different 
Jesu figures, a peace shrine in a way, and it's dedicated to children who've been killed in war and violence. And devotion. Yeah, it's a very strong, it's a very strong project. And just exquisitely beautiful to walk through, like being in a sort of Miyazaki film mm-hmm. or something where you just you're in another world immediately. Mm-hmm. I've been so impressed at how they do that stuff here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really special place. Mm-hmm. So you probably won't be able to get this through any video or, or photos, but we're in a converted elementary school, which for me is just so evocative yeah. of what's happening in the West. So Dharma communities are taking over churches and schools, which used to be places of education and worship. That's right, yeah. (laughs) And there's something quite childlike about this place, and the performance tonight by the community just sort of sealed that for me, you know. It's like these childlike sides came out of them. (laughs) I've been so impressed that, well, it's a really serious practice community. That's just Mm -hmm. obvious being here. Mm -hmm. It's a very young community as well. Mm -hmm. There's loads of young people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not only are they really going for it with their practice, but they seem to have formed like a rock and roll marimba band (laughs) in whatever spare time they actually get and they're just so talented all they're doing is meditating ringing bells and working all the time when do they have time to practice and yet and yet so we'll we'll patch in some of the music at the end i guess it's one of the things of like you get to come and be somewhere like this and see a particular community at work Mm -hmm. have you noticed this in the past at, at previous conferences that in a way you get to embed with Practice communities, is that what it's like, where you're, you kind of sample the culture of somebody's tradition? It's been more pronounced in the past. Like, yeah, at Deer Park it was pretty pronounced, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, we would practice yeah. in different traditions, mm-hmm. you know, and people would get a taste of a tradition mm-hmm. and some rituals. But this, it wasn't like that this time, mm-hmm. which I didn't even notice or miss. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I've enjoyed in the past is just like, I didn't know anything about it. Sri Ratna or the Wan Buddhists. You know, I never met anyone from those traditions before until I started coming here. And it's such an important aspect of this gathering is that we learn about each other's traditions. And I think that cuts through a lot of like judgment. Mm. We can read about other people's traditions and hear about things, but it's different until you meet someone. Mm. And then you have a direct experience of what the tradition is like through friendship. Yeah, I'd never come across the one Buddhist community until these conferences that mm. four years ago at Omega and now again. And they're so impressive just to mm. talk to. Mm-hmm. So much joy and like mm-hmm. engagement. What was it like at Dharma Ocean? Did you integrate with the community there? Not really. It wasn't really a community. Mm. So you haven't noticed the very zeny part of this because I've been like totally loving the morning sits and there's the oh there's some blocks now there's some bells there's some other blocks there's a lot of bells there's a lot of of different tonal it's it's felt like being inside somebody else's ritual and just being like whoa I noticed them at five twenty in the morning (laughs) (laughs) do you mean you didn't get up sister and come and join us we did we did the tai chi we were doing tai chi oh fair enough I think there's board the board at like six oh yeah that's it yeah but just watching as well in the shrine room with like they're sort of an experimental zen tradition they're doing some quite different things and they're bringing in meta practice, which I was very impressed by, and, mm-hmm. and bits of the Bodhicharavatara, and they're playing the harmonium in the shrine room and like mm-hmm. yeah. singing. And I ran in the first day because I came a bit early because I was traveling with the Mosara, and so I got to talk to some of the residents. And two of them were asking me about Anapanasati because they had been studying it. So that was a really engaging conversation. And then another one said, Oh, your teacher Sangarsha, I just picked up a book by Sangarsha, and it was all about going for refuge, and I found it so inspiring. And so we got That's to have amazing. a great conversation wow. about. Sankaraksha is going for refuge. 
I mean, we did experience the Zen tradition at mealtimes, didn't we? Doing the prayer. And I shall remember that, the first bite to cut away evil and yeah. the second to cultivate good and the third bite for all beings. I, that's yeah. something that I'm going to take away with me, yeah. actually, yeah. to just have that mm-hmm. awareness when I mm-hmm. eat my food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the practice of silence as well, because it's different in our community if, if we have silent meals, they're just silent. But I love that thing of like, the first 10 minutes of silence mm. and then there's a bang on a different gong yeah. <laughs> and suddenly the conversation comes in. It seemed to really work for me. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, it's interesting. I noticed that as well when the bell to end the silence went, there was an active movement towards, you know, everyone sitting together, turning and saying, hello, mm. how are you? And I really appreciated that because sometimes you can end silence and people just kind of stay in silence and it Mm -hmm. all continues to be a bit somber. But (laughs) it was just very much like, hello, let's have a conversation now. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I love silence. So silent mills, silent everything. Should we do another podcast where you just, just like 30 minutes of road <laughs> silence? Silent, yeah. I call it a meditation app and like charge people. That's yeah. right. <laughs> 99 cents. You can download Lama Rods. I'm going to ring a bell twice and I'm, there's going to be 30 minutes yeah. of silence in between. The, jo- the John <laughs> Cage idea. of the Buddhist world. I'm, I'm just just like, it's $25 a month. <laughs> Anything else from the week that you want to say when you've got the universe listening? Mm. Looking forward, looking yeah. back. Well, I think any teacher within, you know, the Generation X parameters should think about coming. Um, it's so incredibly important as we progress in our teaching and paths to be in relationship to other teachers. Because I think the future of Buddhism is going to be a much more integrated Buddhism, particularly in the West and even particularly here in America, I think it's just going to start blending and merging mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. something that's going to look very different than what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. In the very least, I think there will be a lot more collaboration yes. between traditions. Maybe there will be, you know, the continuation of different traditions, but it will be like a lot more collaboration and, yeah. and support, mutual yeah. support mm-hmm. with each other. And knowing who to call when you have an issue because you will have been at a conference where you heard someone talking about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think, oh, the, I'm having the thing, you know, I'm up against that thing that that person was up against five years mm-hmm. ago. So, mm-hmm. And it's know, through, it's through friendship, good. isn't it? You yeah. can see all these friendships forming just this week and you think, actually, I'm not going to forget this person. I'm not yeah. going to. Yeah. There's definitely that kind of sense of, oh, there's something to stand on already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that was really memorable for me was speaking to someone who came for the first time and talk about how, wow, like, you know, it's been like so, I didn't realize how, like, insulated I was in my tradition and I came and I was like, yeah, that's how I felt, like, the very first meeting and it was just so, like, wonderful to hear someone get to experience this and benefit so much from it and yeah. that's why we find it so worthwhile to keep this going mm. so the more people can experience this and connect with each other this way is there a generation y millennials conference has that happened yet i think it will happen as they organize more when get together there are a couple of people here who i've been speaking to and really kind of empowering them to do that so i think something might happen next year for the millennials mm. and uh, looking at expanding it a bit you know if they use the same criteria that we do teaching for five years or three years then it's going to be very narrow but i do think that something will happen next year that would be wonderful yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna hook them up 
And then we'll all get retired <laughs> with the old folks home, no, the Gen X old thing. folks home, where we're like. <laughs> I really look forward to see, you know, what what emerge because they deal with different issues, mm. right? Like, um, yeah. so it'd be mm. really mm. interesting. They're all digital natives, yeah. and and look forward to learning from them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know teaching the Dharma online. I mean, we did not discuss the ethics of climate change, and I think if this had been a millennial gathering yeah. that would have been top mm. on the list mm-hmm. extinction yeah. rebellion yeah. so also i think do. if this had been a uk-based gathering we probably would have been higher on the list mm. european yeah. buddhists are very much yeah it's been quite an issue to the fore in most of the formal contexts in Sri mm-hmm. for a while now it's climate change although it's interesting to start to witness disagreement within the community about that reflecting disagreement in the wider world which mm-hmm. is a phenomenon we touched on a few times here like the ethics of people coming along to the centre who've got different politics from mm. most of the other people yeah. at the centre, like, what do you do with that? Mm. I thought it was good that that sort of stuff came in as well as all the more obvious sexual ethics stuff. So do we know where the next one is? We never know when the next one know. is. Uh, <laughs> a new planning committee will form and it will be up to them, but it it won't be on the same coast. I think mm. we try and change it geographically. Cool. It'll be a geographical change, but where that will be. I think you had an interesting idea. <laughs> well, I would love for Ajastana to host, but I'm not sure if we would be able to get as many Americans over for that. Mm. Although people did seem excited about the possibility. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we can pull any strings. <laughs> I think we should charter a cruise boat and just kind of like an electric, an electric cruise boat. Now just that's move an around. idea. Let's do it on a cruise boat. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would be an idea. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome, like the Beatles' last tour that never happened, you know, like just get on a boat. Okay, well, we'll probably just wrap it up with some marimba music in a minute, which I can promise you is well worth the wait. But I'd just like to thank Lamarod, Singhashree, Pumlasar, Rebecca. This is me, Chandra Dasa, signing off from here in the Pacific Northwest. We'll see you again for another episode of the Buddha Center podcast another time. But mm-hmm. thanks very much and good night. Thanks, Chandra Dasa. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.